Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. Uh, Today, you probably noticed when you came in, there's cards like this one on a lot of the seats out there. Um, If you've been part of Summit for a while, you know what that is, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, If you don't know what that is, like I said, we'll talk about it in a little bit, but we partner with an organization called Feed One, and I'll touch on that at the end of our worship experience today. Uh, But but just sit tight on that. We'll come to that, I promise. Uh, One of the things we do here at Summit Church that's a little different is the way we approach missions and the way we approach... um, not just giving to missions, but going on mission trips is kind of unique. And we've had people ask, why do you do the things you do? Why do you do that? Uh, I've even had other churches reach out to us and say, why do you do what you do in terms of outreach to the community and spending as much as you do of your budget on, on missions and outreach and sending people on trips and giving to missionaries? And at the end of the day, it's something that I think is very natural to me and, and so that some of us in leadership. But what I want to do today, I just want to talk to you a little bit about why missions matter. Because for a lot of people, uh, when we think about missions, we think about, well, that's something somebody else does. I got my life. And I'm busy with my life. And I'm trying, to, I'm trying to keep myself above water. You know, how am I in the world am I going to go to Africa? Or how am I supposed to go on a short-term trip? You know, our budget's so tight, how am I supposed to give? So I'm just going to do what I'm supposed to do. But I want to talk to you tonight about why missions is important, even if you live in Indiana, Pennsylvania, and you keep your head down, and you're just doing your thing. It's still important for us. Let me read a passage of Scripture to you. It's in Acts chapter 1, verse 6. Uh, that's where we'll start. It says this, so when they had come together, this is the disciples, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? So what they were doing is uh, Jesus had been crucified. He was resurrected. His disciples came together and they said, is it time for you to become king? And Jesus basically said to hold up, slow your roll. Is that what the kids say now? I can't say that because I'm not cool enough. He said to them, It is not for you to know the time or season that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come again in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So this is interesting because Jesus gives him this instruction. He's finished, his earthly ministry is done, and he gives him this instruction. Tradition says there could have been up to 500 uh, disciples there as they saw this ascension. And he says to them, this is really important, hey, um, go wait on the Holy Spirit And so he gives them instruction to go wait in the upper room for the Holy Spirit. And he says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And just to put it in our context, this would be like Jesus saying to us, hey, um, your job is not just to show up to church. Your job is to be empowered to be a witness in the world you live in, in Indiana, in Indiana County, in western Pennsylvania, in the whole world. See, see, Jerusalem was the city they were in. Uh, Judea was the, the, the area they were in. If, if you could call it a state, it was like a state. Samaria was the state just north of them. And remember, Jews and Samaritans didn't get along. So what he was saying is, you, you evangelize where you are, 
You share the gospel where you're at. You share it with the people across the street from you. You act as a missionary everywhere you go. When you walk into Sheets, when you walk into Walmart, and let's be honest, sometimes it's real hard to live a godly lifestyle at Walmart, isn't it? (laughs) Wherever you go in your hometown, you take Jesus with you. But it doesn't stop there. He says, hey, you, you take it through the whole region. And then he says, but it doesn't even stop there. You take it to the region you don't even want to go to. You take it to the people that don't, you don't think deserve the gospel. They deserve it just as much as you do. So you take it to the Samaritans, is what Jesus said. And then he said, to the uttermost parts, to the ends of the earth. So he gives them this instruction, but he basically says, but you're not doing it alone. I'm, I'm giving you the power of the Holy Spirit to do this. And so he sends into heaven, and all these people are just standing there. I imagine them slack jaw, just mouths open, like, what just happened, right? Jesus floats into heaven, and they're standing there watching. And these angels of the Lord show up, and I'm sure they're like, hey. uh, why are you still looking into heaven, right? Why are you guys still watching? Did you hear what he said? Get to work. He said, he's coming back, don't you worry. But, but clickety-clack, let's get going, right? Now, again, that's Mel's interpretation of this. But they say, why do you stare into the heavens? Why are you waiting? You don't wait, get to work. And this is what I would tell us so many times as Christians. We are waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting, and there is a time for us to wait on God. But I am telling you, when it comes to sharing our faith, God says, you don't have to wait and find out my will. My will is for you to share your faith. My will is to evangelize the world. My will is to to be a witness wherever you go. So you don't have to pray about that. You just have to be obedient to that. You thought I was just going to preach a missions message, didn't you? (laughs) I'm being all mean to you now. John Wesley, one of the pioneers of the Western church, he said this. He says, you have one business on earth to save souls. (laughs) <laughs> we, we as a church, not, not us as a church, but the church, the bride of Christ, we get so focused on things that really don't matter. We had a group of pastors with us last weekend, and it was so cool because different pastors from different doctrines and they have different theology, they came in and we were able to worship together and celebrate together and say, hey, we're going to work to reach our region for Jesus Christ together. And we don't have to agree on everything, but what we do have to agree on is that Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And that it's all about seeing people safe for him. And we were able to set aside our differences and say, you know what, at the end of the day, we have one business on earth to save souls. There, there are numbers. It's easy in our context to just go, well, with the internet and with television, every, I mean, gosh, how does somebody not know about Jesus in the day and age we live in? I don't know that I need to tell anybody. Uh, statistics tell us that 41% of the world's population have no witness of Jesus Christ in their life. They have no one to tell them who Jesus is. They have no one to say, hey, let me, let me tell you about what's going on in my life. Because what is a witness? A witness only tells about what they've experienced. So you don't have to preach a message to anyone because Jesus said you're going to be my witnesses. So what do we have to do? All we have to do is tell our story. You know what? My marriage was kind of a mess. And man, I came to Christ and I don't know, my marriage got better. That's it right? That's a witness. You're just telling your experience. And 41% of the world's population, over 3 billion people don't have that person in their lives. And we can sit back and go, well, that's too bad. Somebody should do something. 
That's right. We are the somebody. We are the answer to people's prayer all around the world. God, send someone to tell me. I know there's got to be a God. Send someone to tell me the truth. There are people all over the world praying prayers like that to a God that they don't even know. We are the answer to their prayer. So what do we do? Well, there's three things you can do if you want to do what God's called us to do in terms of missions. The first thing we do, this is so simple. If you're following along on the YouVersion app with the notes or if you're taking notes, the first thing we do is pray. It's really profound, isn't it? As Christians, we're supposed to pray, right? But if we're going to be honest, and I'm your pastor, and I'm supposed to be honest, so I'm going to be honest with you, there are times that, that something comes my way, and the first thing I do is not pray. I want to fix problems. I want to make things happen. We're going to solve this, right? Relationship issues, financial issues, whatever it is, we're going to fix it. Sometimes we respond that way. But the first thing we have to do is pray. We have to pray for, for God to send the workers. Sometimes that means that we got to pray that our hearts will be right because maybe he wants to send us. So God, send the workers who need to be there. Empower them, equip them, strengthen them, lift them up. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. But if I asked how many people have prayed for a missionary this week or prayed that God's kingdom would expand throughout the world, probably not many of us would raise our hands. And that's not your fault. We don't talk about that stuff as much as we should sometimes. But I'm telling you today, we need to be praying for our missionaries. We need to be praying for ministries throughout the world. This is what it says in Colossians chapter four. This is Paul, he's writing to the Colossian church. And he says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it uh, with thanksgiving. Listen to this. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. So this is what he says. He says, I'm in prison. I'm in prison because I was a missionary for, for Christ. So I've been imprisoned in Rome, and he's writing these letters. And he says, hey, you know what? Be praying for me that my words can be clear, that people can understand the love and power of God. He, he wasn't saying, pray for me that somebody will get me out of this place. He was saying, pray that the message that I preach would be clear. <laughs> Isn't that incredible? Paul, in a lot of ways, was the first missionary in the world. He, he planted churches. He was starting ministry. And he says, pray that the words I speak will be clear to those who hear. You can pray for the effectiveness of missionaries in foreign lands. You can pray for the effectiveness of ministries in our backyard, because let's be honest, 41% of the world doesn't, has no adequate witness of Christ, but I promise you there's people that you know, that you assume know because, well, we're religious around here. They have no clue who Jesus is. They have no idea how much he loves them. They don't have an adequate witness in their life. Nobody's spoken to them about that. So pray for the ministries in our area as well. They'll have clear words to speak. Paul is writing to the, the Ephesian church, and he says this, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all saints. So he's saying, continue to pray for the body of Christ. And listen to this, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So again, he's writing this at the same time he's writing the, the 
to the Colossian church, and he says, I'm, I'm an ambassador in chains, but pray that I can be bold even in my chains. Come on. Doesn't that make you feel a little bit guilty for being a whiny baby about some of the stuff in your life? Like, oh, well, maybe my life's not so bad after all. And you go, well, no, that was first century. This stuff doesn't apply to us today. There was a, a man named Richard Wormbrand. He wrote a book called Tortured for Christ. He was a, um, he was a Christian, a, a Jewish descent, a Christian of Jewish descent that lived in, um, in, in Soviet-controlled Eastern Europe. And this is what he said in his book, Tortured for Christ. It was strictly forbidden to preach to other prisoners. So he was in prison. It was, it was forbidden to preach the gospel in prison. It was understood that whoever was caught doing this received a severe beating. A number of us decided to pay the price for the privilege of preaching, so we accepted there the communists' terms. It was a deal. We preached, and they beat us. We were happy preaching. They were happy beating us, so everyone was happy. This isn't first century church. This is 30 years ago. And there are, are missionaries martyred every single day all around the world. We just don't hear about it, but it's happening. So when we, as the Western church, we, we neglect that, we neglect to pray, what we're really doing is we're neglecting a, a part of the body. What we're doing is, is we go, well, we're the hand, and the other hand isn't really significant. And even though that hand might be lost... This hand's doing just fine. Scripture makes it clear when one part of the body hurts, the whole body hurts. So as the body of Christ, we need to prioritize praying for missionaries. Whenever we have ministry partners up here, I always make fun of them because we'll say, hey, what can we do to help? And they always, first thing, they always say, well, you can be praying for us. And what they really want to say is, well, you could write us a big check. That'd be great, right? But they can't start with that. So they, well, you could be praying for us. But the truth is they need prayer. We, we got ministry partners we can't even talk about publicly because of where they're ministering. Because if, if the government found out what they were doing, they, the, the best case scenario is they'd be sent out of the country. They'd be deported. And the worst case is much, much worse than that. So what do we do? We, the first thing we do is we pray. The second thing we do is we give. And we think this is a Western culture thing, but it's not at all. Um, we see Paul in the New Testament, we see in Scripture that he was a tent maker is what it was described as. Um, and so literally what he would do is he would make tents and mend tents. And the areas that he was working in were typically um, high-trafficked areas. So there were lots of people coming and going, so he always had work to do. But, but there comes this shift in his ministry when uh, a, a church decides they're going to start supporting him, and he's able to shift from being a tent maker who gets to do some ministry to be able to devote his whole life to ministry, and it shifts the gospel. It shifts the impact. And let me read this passage. This is Philippians chapter 4, and he's talking to the Philippian church, who was probably the church that supported him best. It's also called the Macedonian church, but it, it, he says this, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you've re revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but had no opportunity. Now that I am speaking of being in need, or not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. See, that, that's, a, that's a sermon right there, right? <laughs> I know how to be brought low and how to abound, and in, every, in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And then this verse that we have on 
postcards and coffee cups and t-shirts. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now the context of this is Paul talking about missionary support and him not having everything he, he might need at times. And he says, you know what? I've got everything I need. I'm, I'm okay. I've learned how to abound even if I don't have much. And he said, I can support myself if I need to. But you know what? The secret is I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If Christ calls me, he's going to provide for me. He's going to take care of it. And then he goes on to say this, verse 14. You know, it was kind of you to share my trouble. And what he's really saying is sharing my affliction. So they looked at his affliction and said, your problem is my problem. We're going to come support you. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. So he said, I was ministering at another church, and you still sent me the funds to help me do what God had called me to do, because that was their heart. He says, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases your credit. So he said, I'm not interested in the money, but when you live with a generous heart, God does something in your life. And he said, I can't wait to see what God does in your life for displaying generosity in your life, because God delights in that. He goes on to say, I've received full payment and more. I am well supplied. Having received from Epaphroditus the gift you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. And what he's saying is when you learn how to live generously, God's going to take care of every one of your needs. Now again, I want to make this very clear. This is not an appeal for money tonight, Okay? And we're going to talk to you about giving to a ministry in just a minute, but we don't get any of the money. It doesn't come to us. So when I talk to you about living generously, what I'm really talking about is you saying, okay, God, my whole life is yours. Even the parts that maybe I want to cordon off and section off, like my finances. Because when we give to expand the kingdom of God throughout the world and in our region, what we're really doing is saying, God, I trust you with my finances. You do what you want to do. And the kingdom of God does expand. It's amazing to see what God does when we will simply be obedient to give. Like we see the Philippian church. The Philippian church wasn't the wealthiest church in the world, but they were a generous church. And it's not about what you have. It's about what you are willing to give. And he, he championed the Philippian church because of that. So we pray, we give, and the third thing is we go. <laughs> I'm not asking anybody to sign up to uh, spend the rest of their life in... Uh, Timbuktu or, you know, some crazy third world country, anything like that. I will tell you that we've got four opportunities for you to, to go on a short-term mission trip next year. We'd love for you to pray about that and be a part of one of those trips because it really will change your life. It's a way that you can go and experience ministry in a totally different context. It will reshape how you view what God wants to do in your life here, I think, as well. So we don't make any apology that we want you to go, but going doesn't necessarily mean you go on a short-term mission trip. Because here at Summit Church, we believe ministry happens across the street and across the globe, around the block and around the world. So we don't want you to go on a foreign mission trip if you're unwilling to have a conversation with your neighbor. Have a conversation with your neighbor. They need Jesus just as bad as the person who doesn't speak English does. So talk to them. Share your faith. We're going to celebrate you going across the street and inviting them to church. You going across the street and sharing your faith. You taking them brownies. And just telling them, hey, we just, we're here for you if you ever need anything. Those are all steps to, to reaching people. So we want you to go, whether that's here in Indiana or around the world. Matthew chapter 28, Jesus is talking. He says this. This is at the end um, of his life. And 
It's the similar story that what we told earlier from Acts. And he's, uh, he's been crucified. He's resurrected. And this is what he says. He came to them and said to his disciples, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. See, Jesus didn't equivocate this. He doesn't say, hey, guys, listen, I've been thinking about it. And I want you to go. Unless you're uncomfortable. If you're uncomfortable, don't worry about it. I understand. I'm not going to make you do something you're uncomfortable with. Uh, unless, unless it might cost you something. Unless he doesn't equivocate. He says, go and make disciples everywhere you go. So for us, we have to understand this is a calling on our life. See, there, there are vocational callings. Um, callings to ministry, calling to, to a job you might have. And, and those are things that we can go, well, I don't know if I want to do that. And, but then there are things that God just expects us to do. And this is one of those things. He just expects us to live a life and to, that we will share our faith, that we'll talk about the goodness of God, that we will go and wherever we go, we're sharing what God's done in our lives. It's interesting because another interpretation of this word go in the original language says, as you go. So it almost means I'm dual meaning. I'm going with a purpose, but, but as I'm going, I'm going to do this as well. So I'm not just going to do something when I get there. I'm going to do it all along the way. And that's that idea where we say, hey, I'm going to go into sheets and I'm going to talk to the girl and I'm going to, you know, ask her about her day. And I want to be the friendliest person ever. And when God opens up a door for me to say something encouraging to her, or share a verse, or I'm going to do it. Because that's an opportunity. I may never get another opportunity. I may be the only witness she ever hears in her life. So it's my responsibility to take every opportunity I possibly can. In Romans chapter 10, it says this, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? So what we see here, what, what Paul's saying to the Roman church is, missions is important. Because if we don't send somebody, they can't preach. And if they're not preaching, they're not going to hear. And if they're not hearing, they can't respond to the message. So, so we go, and we send, and we, we pray, and we give. That's what we do. Um, whenever we have a ministry partner here at Summit Church, we vet them well, and we want to make sure that they are not just somebody we send money to, or maybe send a team to minister with them. We want, that, we want to feel like they're a, an extension of us, because in a very real way, we're partners in this. And so every one of our ministry partners, I love them. Some of them are friends that I've known for a long time. Some of them are people that our hearts are just connected together. But, but the ministry partners we have are people that we believe deeply in. And, and we know what their calling is. We know where they're at, what their context is. And we feel passionate about sending them. So we want to do our best to make sure they get in front of the people they need to. Because they're in front of people we could never be in front of. You know, we've got partners all over the world that are in situations that I could never speak into. I could never walk into that and speak into some of those lives. And so we're excited to send them, to equip them, to give them what they need, the resources they need to do what God's calling them to do. But this is what I would say, too, as a body of Christ, as a church here in Indiana, you are in situations that I could never be in. You're in your office, you're in your workplace, you're in your school, and you have relationships that I could never have. 
You may be the only adequate witness some of those people ever have. So what we want to do is we want to equip you. We want to help you. We want to encourage you. Because the same thing that applies around the world applies here. <laughs> How will they call on him whom they have not believed? How can they believe in someone they haven't heard about? And how are they to believe in him who they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they're sent? So what I'm telling you tonight is you're being sent. You're being sent into your, maybe your home, in your workplace, in your schools. You're being sent to Walmart. I'll be praying for you. <laughs> you're being sent out, commissioned by God to, to reach the world for his glory. So you might be asking, you say, Mel, why do we do that? Why do we, why do we pray? Well, why do we give money? Why do we go? Why do we do that? And the reason we do that is because the love of God changes everything. Um, would you grab that for me, Steve? I saw this tonight. <clears throat> this is cardboard testimonies. Basically, the way these work is they say, this is who I was, this is who I am now. See, there's a world of people that feel like they're never enough. They feel like they're a failure. They feel like they can never be loved. They could never do enough. And what they need is to get connected with the love of God that will help them realize that they're accepted. That God's passionate about them. This is not about getting a whole bunch of people in a church halfway around the world. It's about engaging people with a God who desperately, passionately loves them so much that he would send his son to die for them. <laughs> so when we talk about missions, it's not a program of the church. This is the life of the church. It's not something we do. It's something we are. This is who we are. So many people need to know that they're enough in Christ. See, when Jesus accepts us, he doesn't leave us the way we are. He accepts us the way we are, but then he transforms us, and that's what we're after. That's what we want to see here in Indiana and around the world. And if you're here today, maybe you feel a little bit like that. Maybe you feel like, I don't know that I've ever really experienced the love of God. I don't know if I've ever really felt accepted before. I want to give you that opportunity tonight. So if you would, bow your head and close your eyes all over this room. If you're here tonight and you say, Mel, you know what, as you were talking, honestly, that's me. I feel a little bit like I'm not accepted. I don't feel like I'm good enough. I don't feel like I could be loved. I know what I've done, what my background's like. Maybe you're here and you've never really surrendered your life to Christ. But tonight you go, Mel, I don't know what it's all about, but I just know I need what you're talking about. I'm not going to embarrass you or make you come forward. I just want to pray with you where you are. So if that's you, would you be bold enough to slip your hand up real high where I can see it? You can put it down, yeah. A couple of hands in the center section. Who else would say that's me? Pray for me. Yeah, I see you over here on my left. Thank you. Who else would say, Mel, pray for me? That's me. Yeah, I see you up in the balcony. Praise God. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Praise the Lord. I'd like every person in this room, whether you raised your hand or not, to pray this really simple prayer with me. Say this out loud. 
Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Tonight, I surrender my life, and I'm asking you to accept me and change me and help me become the person you want me to be. Let my life bring you glory and help me live the rest of my life for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we give God a round of applause tonight? Now listen, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, um, there's a card in the seat back in front of you that uh, we never want to embarrass you at all, but we want to help you take the next step. And so if you'd fill that card out, the side that says salvation, just drop it in one of our offering boxes as you leave today. There's two by the main doors, one in the balcony, one outside these east doors. Just slip it in there as you're leaving, and we're going to help you take the next step. We're going to get you resources and get you connected with relationships. They're going to help you grow and become who I think God is dreaming for you to be. Um, so you can fill that out, and if you'd like, if you're watching online or maybe you're here in the room and can't reach a card, you can simply text the word salvation to the number 555 and when you do that, we're going to respond back to you and help you take the next step in your faith journey as well. So again, thank you so much. We're so proud of you. I'm so excited to see what God's going to do in your life.